Welcome to this week's episode of Being Bookish. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit, long-term depression sufferer, and ex-coffee addict. As you may be able to tell, this is different to my usual episodes. So let's get straight down to the content you're here for. I am heading out of my comfort zone this week with crime novels and talking with author Mary Hannah about her latest book, Black Fell. And I am joined today by the author, Mary Hannah. Many of you will know that she is a crime author, and you'll probably also know that crime is not something I traditionally will read. In fact, I think the last crime novel I read was probably by Agatha Christie. (laughs) That's what I grew up on. I'm in good company then. That's what I grew up on, and I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. I think I watch watch more procedurals than I read, in all honesty. I will watch all of the crime, the lighthearted crime. I watched the entirety of Sister Boniface in one day. <laughs> so, right. Okay. So I like the sort of, not the so much gentle, but the complicated crime to solve. Uh, yeah. And you've got a new book coming out on the 22nd of June, I believe. I do. The I latest yeah, the latest in your Oliver and Stone series. I actually loved the chemistry between those two characters when I read it. It was the first one I'd read and I really enjoyed their chemistry. I thought they worked really well together. So for those for those people out there who haven't heard of the book or are thinking about their next read, what is Blackfell about? Well, I think it's quite a complex thriller. Um, it's book four of the Stone and Oliver series. Um, and so, but, but it can be read as a standalone. Um, it opens at Kielder Water, where some Icelandic students are camping um, illegally. And um, two of them, that's Christian and Eva, uh, find a, a barrel that's floating in the water at dawn when they go for a swim. Uh, it's cold in Kielder Water. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine anybody would want to go for a swim there, but they are Icelandic students, so, you know. We've got to give them that. Um, and they smash it open and they find skeletal remains inside. That's the opening of the book. Um, but the book is set in two different places. Um, Kielder, obviously, which I've just mentioned, but also Iceland, which is where the students are from. Um, and the reason for that is I've kind of been choreographing Stone and Oliver having to be separated in this book and the next one, which I'm writing now, um, for reasons that I won't go into because it would really spoil it. If somebody goes to the beginning, which was uh, The Lost, um, I really enjoyed writing this book and I really enjoy writing these two characters. Um, They're quite, they're both from the North, but um, David Stone has been has spent 15 years in the Metropolitan Police and has come home with a tale to tell that he's not actually telling anyone about. <laughs> um, so if, if I could just go back to the beginning, of course. The, the reason I love writing this series is because I, you know, readers met them as they met each other which was lovely, 
whereas in other series that I write, because I write across three series, um, you know, we we jump straight in with a with an, a couple of detectives who are already established and what have you. But these two are meeting each other in the Lost, which is book one, and um, and and they have grown together over the last four books, and will continue hopefully to do that. Um, I'm most I'm most known for my Kate Daniels series, which is nine books in, or will be when that next one comes out in January, but I changed publisher. And because I'm changing publisher from Pam Atmelin to Orion, they decided that, yes, of course, they would they would publish um, Kate Daniels, but they wanted me to write something new, which was quite a challenge uh, because obviously I had written, I was already writing two series, but, um, but I really enjoy it. I think that Keeping yourself fresh is really important as an author, and um, and this has this has made me, you know, I, I now alternate the Kate Daniels and the uh, Stone and Oliver books. Ryan and Neil have been put to one side for a little while, but um, but yes, I mean, the difference in this book from the first three is that I was able to bring some historical elements into it. And also, obviously, because we go to Iceland, there is a sort of Scandinavian feel about it as well. So if anybody out there is listening and wants to, you know, have a have a read, that would be would be wonderful. But it's quite a complicated story. Um, and the first, uh, the, the students are let go. I don't want to, you know, give away the plot too much, but the students are let go. Um, and then another body is found, which is not skeletal remains. It's a fresh body. Um, so I hope I didn't scare you, Ray, um, <laughs> no, while, while, you were re- while you were reading this. I actually found the plot fascinating because obviously I didn't know anything of the background of the characters. So I was seeing them more as an established partnership. Yes, yes. But I loved the way that obviously... Um, Frankie is a third generation police officer and you brought her father and her grandfather into it and also established that David has a friendship with them as well yeah yeah I mean if if you had to say one thing that was important to Frankie it is her family um you know she absolutely adores her family um, and I should say that both of these detectives have, have like a dog shadow hanging over them. Um, I won't say any more than that, but we are moving. Uh, you know, in the first couple of books, we found out what David's was, but now we're finding we're we're going to find out in the next book what Frankie's is. Um, uh, but that's kind of been hinted at through the yes through the first the first books. But yes, family really really important frankie is very very close to her father um particularly uh who is now retired from the police same you know northumbria police same uh, organization um and david has no family left um i i don't think it's too much to tell you that in the first book his brother dies his only um brother dies uh, his family are already dead, and um, and they're in laser tail because the brother has a son 
and he's not kind of ready. He's not kind of ready to be a dad. He's never thought about being a dad. So that's kind of complicates his life slightly. Um, but I plot everything out from the start. And obviously, as you're writing, people say, well, you know, does that stop the creativity? To me, it doesn't. I, all I've got is the bare bones of the story. And as I'm writing, I tend to sort of think of things, of places where I can go or what have you. Um, and ideas occur to you and you go, oh, God, I can take this here. But as long as I've got a road to come back to, I find, you know, I can do that. If I was to set off from page one and not have a clue where I was going, I know that I'm the kind of person who would completely go off piece and it would be it would be rubbish. So I kind of I, I'm, I'm kind of one of those writers that, you know, likes to plan. Some some writers will just do a couple of pages. That's all really that I do, a couple of pages, yeah. two or three pages. I know some. Um, Jeffrey Deaver does a couple of hundred pages. But that's a novel. Before he starts to write the book. I've interviewed him at uh, Harrogate Crime Writing Festival, and I was completely fascinated by that, you know, that he would put so much detail into it and then go in and start writing it. But, it, but every writer's different. Yeah, I have. I found that. I mean, I write for a living. I'm a content writer for I work for a property company and right. I will I tend to sit down and plan out sections, give headers and a rough outline of what I'm going to write for the articles that I need to put together, because otherwise, yeah. like you, I will go completely off piste and all of a sudden I'll find that I am somewhere I don't need to be. Which that's exactly distracts. it, that's, isn't it? Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, I've done that from the start because I started off actually. At, my my writing started as a screenwriter. I wanted to be a screenwriter, and it's so it's as hard to get into screenwriting as it is to get into book writing and um, yeah. into publishing. And so I did. A, I, I did a couple of schemes with with, um, with various organisations. One of them was the BBC. And they gave me a mentor who basically gave me the very good advice to sit down and write a very long biography of each of your main characters. Not not the the, the small ones, but the main ones. Yeah. And so I did that. Um, and that's never left me. And also to have that couple of pages or even one page, because the TV don't want you to have three pages. They like one page. So you need to be very you know, I need to be very precise about what I put in and what I leave out. And and really, TV is a completely different thing because what they're thinking of is that they're, they're talking very broad brushstrokes, give us the world and we'll tell you whether we like it. Whereas when you do a synopsis for a publisher, it's completely different. What they want is the plot, you know, the the, the, the plot line, if you like. Yeah. Um, so that they know that you've got a book in you. Um, and and then at the end of every book, I always think I'll never be able to do this again. And here I am. And, you know, the next one would be book 15, which is which is marvellous. <laughs> but obviously with the outlines for the series with Kate Daniels and with Oliver and uh, with Stone and Oliver, you've got the elements of the plots all the way through. So you've got the carry on plot. 
that mm-hmm. that meanders through and there are hints that peek through because I noticed that there were certain mentions as you were saying that Frankie is going to have this her secret is going to come out there yeah. were you could see there were little bits that were hint that was sort of peeking out there that she didn't want revealed and there were brief mentions of it in obviously yeah in there the are there the are brief office. mentions of it really from book from book two and we know that her sister has been murdered I can give that I can give that I'm happy to give that away but um but it's it's coming to a head is all I'm saying um so yes we know what the story is but but in actual fact whilst Frankie is a very gregarious very funny you know she, one one line is her her thing um you know she she's a great character to to write but then there's this very very private side of her and her, which she shares with her father and not a lot of other people so yeah so that kind of is is the world that Frankie's in and she's take, taken David to her heart uh really um so yeah, I mean, I I'm I wasn't aware when I set off writing uh, the first three books what the arc was going to be, where it would start and finish any more than I was with Kate Daniels, and I'm on book nine now. And like, they Kate has a relationship that is very on and off, and you know, and has that's with politics. Joe, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, I'm still writing her. She is. Um, optioned for well she's in development now for television um and that has been a very long time coming um not for want of trying you know covid came along for a start off but that didn't help at all because you know whilst we in the book world we writers if those of us that could continue to write the whole of the sort of film and tv industry just kind of collapsed yeah, because they couldn't film because they needed to be with people and close to people, and and that didn't work. So yeah, it's been a strange old time, isn't it? <laughs> Just a bit. You ended up with programs like Staged during the pandemic. Mm. Not saying that's a bad thing, but mm-hmm. that's the kind of programming that they were limit they were restricted to because you couldn't yeah. go next. Uh, you couldn't go next door and borrow a pint of milk. So. Yeah. I think that's that's it though. I mean, this book I found fascinating. I loved the the dual perspective, the two the two countries. I I very very briefly went to Iceland. It is a stunning country. I was there literally for twelve hours. <laughs> I spent more money there than I did on my four week holiday in Canada. Uh, <laughs> it's a very expensive country. Yeah, it is it's very expensive, but it's an experience that I think if you get the chance to do it you do it so exactly and have you ever been to Northumberland Kay because no I have there are similarities in that lots of Northumberland is you know very isolated you know it's it's yeah we've got trees and it's green and and everything but it is very isolated you can drive for a long time without coming across another car or you know, just seeing the odd dotted little cottage here and there. So, so in one way, and it's, I have been to Iceland a, a few times because I, I've appeared at Icelandois 
and and being taken into the interior rather than you know just in yeah. Reykjavik where people tend to go. Um, so it was a perfect place to go, um, to to kind of like balance these two these two stories as they're going on, because they were kind of reverses of the same coin. In... Yes, and um, for those of those of your listeners who don't know, Fields of Water was um, it's a flooded valley, and um, beneath the water there is a um, a whole village. And that is becomes part of the story as well, um, which which causes a major major headache for the detectives because where the media scrum and they and they all want to make the most of this, you know, who's floated up from this lost world and stuff like that. It's not spooky. It's about as close as spooky as I've ever got, but it isn't spooky at all. It's it's fact. Um, so it's been around now for. 40 years nearly, um, the reservoir, um, and all sorts of things that happened in the book where I go back even further than that to the the Second World War. Um, and, you know, so, so those are those readers who really like to, to go back um, to find um, stuff out that you might not know I mean I didn't know about it when you know I started writing that I was actually going to go that far back in history um but but it's 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 putting the puzzle together that I find really fascinating um and I explore my own area because it's as I say it's vast um so yeah and I love I, I like you I love Iceland expensive or not <laughs> It's the same with a lot of places. Switzerland's another beautiful country. It's not exactly the the yeah. most cost-friendly location either. No. But I think that one of the things I loved was the way that you introduced the past and the present together and melded them into a story that obviously started with the discovery of this body in the barrel. But it when it started a little bit earlier than that, which introduced you to the poor unfortunate soul who they do discover that isn't skin that isn't just bone and i mm-hmm. i loved the way because i didn't know where that was going to go you well that, that, this... that, that kind of my signature in a way that uh, i've always because when you write screenplays you've got 10 pages to prove that that people want to read on and that's it the 10, ten page mm-hmm. rule and i've taken that into books to be honest um, so I feel that that most of my books drop you absolutely right into the action. So here we've got a guy who's sitting at night surrounded by millions of trees and beautiful water. And he's not in a good way. Shall we shall we say that? Yeah, um, we can say that. You know, we don't want to spoil it for anyone. But um, but yeah, that, that's part of my process is to get you know, get the readers in, in, engaged with the book straight away. Um, and I hope that was your experience. <laughs> as I, it was one, I, as I, I think I started it on Saturday and finished it on Monday. So it right. was, it, and obviously I had to work all day Monday <laughs> because yeah. I can't get out of that. And I found myself thinking about it while I was at work, trying to figure out who'd done it, what was the motive behind it, and who was, I mean, primarily it was for me, 
who was the person in the barrel because of course mm. we knew we were going back because they'd said it was a much older set of remains yeah. so it was like why were they in a barrel what mm-hmm. would have caused them to be in the barrel mm-hmm. and that was something that I kept on thinking about mm-hmm. and when uh, obviously I'm not going to give away the ending because that would be really really mean but when I read the ending it was like that was that was clever and there were so many things that hinted at it but until the revelation at the end it wasn't something that immediately went oh that's what happened <laughs> good <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a, a, a good accomplishment is something you, you don't you don't want to be sitting there going I know exactly you did that as I've done so many times when I've watched something that I've watched before but I I actually found myself thinking oh and I liked the characters and I think that's the most important thing if you can not necessarily get into the head of the characters but enjoy who they are I liked mm-hmm. their dynamic I liked Frankie's relationship with her family I liked the the way that she built a an association with the police in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I think that um, she's very kind. Um, she cares. Yeah. And kind of that goes throughout all of the books. She, she cares about victims for obvious reasons. Um, so, yeah. Um, and she's very good with a certain character, uh, a certain elderly character towards the end I think yes um which was which was nice but um you know people say that my crime writing is crime writing with heart and um, and I always hope that that is the case because I mean I want readers to be emotionally invested in these people um to me they're real kind of I'm a, I'm a bit weird well, I know that they feel them. real <laughs> yes exactly but now, and so they they're with me all the time um and i and i really do um enjoy opening up their personalities and and they have changed since i started writing um you know they they they've molded into a, a real solid um couple you know duo yeah. and it was ryan's idea to to write a duo rather than um you know just have one character although kate has hank um who is her sidekick, who yeah. is amazing. Yeah, he's, um, he is very, very loyal. Very, very. And I think you'll find that that loyalty, it, it's, it is loyalty that, that kind of runs through the books and, and through the people, I suppose. I'm writing about people that I would love to spend time with, you know, in, in whatever way. Um, you know, I could sit down to have dinner with my characters and be quite happy. Um, they don't always do as they're told. They don't always um, come out smelling of roses. They do things wrong. And, um, you know, I keep it as realistic as I can. Um, the authenticity of the police world ha- is important to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, your listeners will not know possibly that I'm ex-probation officer. Uh, my partner is an ex-DI on a murder squad. So between us, we have an awful lot of experience. Um, in my case, in and out of prisons and courts and brown courts and what have you. Um, so I've, you know, I've got a, a wealth of experience 
with social services, police, you know. You see the people at their lowest ebb, really. Yes, indeed. So where did you get the idea for these characters from? Well, I, because obviously I'm very involved with, or was very involved with the police, my my partner is retired now, but um, lots of our friends are police. Uh, I know people who are second or third generation cops, so Frankie was quite easy. Um, you, you're not going to believe this, but when I first started writing the Kate Daniels series, there was a guy who's expat from here who lives in uh, Australia now, and he started to write to me and say, God, your books take me right home. You know, his name is David, would you believe, but not David Stone. So I, so, and and his emails have gone back and forth, back and forth. It's, it's a funny story, this. So he, he, he keeps in touch with me all the time and he's hilarious. His emails are hilarious. And when I was thinking about David, uh, thinking about Stone, first of all, I wanted him to have a surname that was nothing like his personality. He's not hard like a stone. No. He's actually completely the opposite. Um, but I thought I'd call him David. And I actually emailed David in Australia and said, um, do you mind if I lift some of the humour out of our emails together? Because, we, you know, we write back and forth, back and forth. And he said, because uh, I'm creating a character and it would it would be good. And I thought I would give David this humour. Um, and that was the plan. So he said, oh, God, I'd be delighted. This is fantastic. <laughs> and um, I remember I was in, after I'd written a couple of these books, I was in Waterstones one night. Um, and I was a launch or a, a book signing and, a, and an event. And I started to tell the story. And right at the back, a guy put his hand up and said, oh, you're embarrassing us now, like this. And it was him sitting in the audience. I was like, is it you? And he went, it's me. And, and I honestly, it was, amazing, it was an amazing experience as a writer to have something like that. But the funny thing is that all of the humour that I thought I was going to give to David I actually gave to Frankie. She's the funny one. She's the one with, um, how can I say this? She's she's the one with the cutting lines and the, you know, she takes the mick um, relentlessly. And um, so, yeah, so that's where the characters came from. Basically, my life, my own life experience, but also this this guy that I um, I've emailed over the years. And uh, at the end of that, I said to him, will you wait and we'll have a drink? We'll go for a drink. I've got to go. My sister's expecting me, da, da, da. But I'm coming to your event on Thursday, which was the following Thursday. And I went, all right, great. We'll have a drink after that. Well, he fell down and broke his leg or something. Oh, no. He hurt his leg. And so he didn't get to the event. So he wasn't there. So I haven't seen him other than across a Waterstone (laughs) shop. Which, which is amazing, you know, it was, it was, it, he's a great guy and, um, and obviously homesick, as David is. Yeah. And that's where David's homesickness came from. I mean, there was a reason why he left uh, London, 
that people will will discover. But um, he's also been very homesick. Um, and he has this tiny, weeny little cottage in a place called Porkerhof, which is, you know, like blinking you through it, um, which is inherited from his nan, who he loves to bits. Uh, she, yeah, obviously, she's not alive anymore. Um, so he lives there. Frankie lives in a an apartment on the coast overlooking a beautiful marina and um, in a place called Amble. Um, and so they have a completely different, you know, he's in the countryside, she's at the coast, but it's, but it's a contrast and that's what I wanted. Yeah. And it, and obviously the fact that they, they were both inspired by your experience and also people that, you know, gives them yeah. an extra layer of reality and humanity. Yes, and, and, and sometimes you, you know, writers are hoarders and we kind of write down little notes and stuff. Um, and sometimes it comes from something you have in your possession. And um, an old lady once showed me a postcard. Um, I won't tell you where it was from, but it was a postcard. You know what the postcard probably said, because she's old. Um, but this postcard was very, uh, was really poignant. And I thought, what am I going to ever do with this? I will use this one day. And I actually did use it in, in, in this book. Um, so there's little bits of stuff that I've thought about over the years and kind of, you do, you like, but you can't just go, oh, I want to use this and I'll chuck it in this book because it doesn't work. It, it yeah. has to be the right book. It has to be the right circumstance. And um, and that's what I like to sort of weave those like tales in, um, all wrapped up in a very serious crime story because that is what I'm about is the crime stories. I mean, I've worked with, you know, police um, in my job um, I've taught the CID. Uh, I used to work with sex offenders at one point, and I've I've lectured the CID on working with sex offenders and stuff like that. So, but I've never ever based any of my books on a real case because that would be wrong. Um, but but it's the things that happened to me, the voices I've heard, that you know I I know how they a lot of the people that I work with, what kind of backgrounds they come from where they come from, how they speak, how they got into trouble, how they try and get out of trouble, how they end up in prison. So all of that kind of seeps into my writing, I think, without me even thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think it's... I, hope, I hope that... It's funny because a long time ago, my agent said to me, Mari, you, you write brilliant crime books, you don't have to put too much procedure in. The readers will know that you know because you write it so well. Leave some of it out. You don't have to have too much. And so that kind of, it was it was a breath of fresh air really because it, 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 I stopped being, trying to do it exactly how it would be done for the police. And in any case, a lot of police work is just hard slog and paperwork. And in a crime novel, you can just get rid of all of that and move on and move on and move forward. And that's 
what I try to do with the books is that they push on, um, you know. Because you could do, you could write for hours about a number plate search, for example. (laughs) Absolutely, you could do. But you don't have to. I don't think it would make for a really exciting chapter in a novel, but you could still do it. You could do it. (laughs) I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's that element of the reality of it. There's just enough procedure and process in here and all the politics that go into running the office, liaising with the press and everything else. Yeah. Which we see quite a lot of in this book and also in, I've got to remember in without a trace there's a lot of liaison with the press in both of those novels for good reason and it was intriguing because obviously we see the other side of it as the audience we can see the press hanging around outside waiting for a statement but we don't know what goes into creating those statements and all the work that goes on behind the scenes which you gave us insight into which makes and of course, it... in that book that you just mentioned, the, uh, without a trace, uh, Kate's just gone AWOL. Yes, completely <laughs> gone AWOL. She, 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 you know, takes leave without permission. She goes down to London. She blags her way into an investigation. She's got no authority to be there at all. Uh, she's going against her boss. Everything she's ever thought that meant something to her as a police officer she completely blows out the water because she's chasing one thing. She's She's got one goal in mind and she's not letting go. And of course she drags Hank along with her, which kind of gets him into trouble as well. But I loved writing that book. Absolutely adored writing that book. And that book came three years because of this, because of, you know, Stone and Oliver yeah. and Ryan asking me to write something new, which I did do three books before I said, look, the Kate Daniels fans are going a absolutely ape because they want to know what happened after the cliffhanger of book six. And that was the result was without a trace, which was, I have to say, a you know, a great book to uh, to put out there, great book to talk about, and an award-winning book, which was which was fabulous, because it won uh, Capital Prime Book of the Year. So so that was lovely during COVID as it's well. It's always nice to get validation. Amazing. And I honestly thought that our, you know, writers' lives were going to drop off the planet um, during COVID because there was no bookshops open, there was nothing open. Um, I, no think I, gave, I think I, I think I, sounds bad. I think I probably spent around £3,000 on Amazon in that particular period of time. I'm sure you did, <laughs> along with a lot of other people. Mostly on books. <laughs> yes, I can see behind you. Yeah, this is only, I've got another four shelves in an, in another two rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like mine. I also but have books. I also have my, books. My walls will fall down if I buy any more books. <laughs> That's the thing, I'm, I'm trying to work out if I can fit another bookcase in here at the moment, because I've only had these bookcases for... Your room will just get smaller and smaller. This is only a stu- This is my office, though. I have two desks right. in here, one for right. work and one for the podcasting. So, All right, yeah, okay. this is my nice. little podcasting nook. Right. <laughs> With all the books that I've purchased in the last, I think, 18 months. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I read a lot. I bought 11 books this week. 
Wow. <clears throat> yes, I have I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> well, do you know what? I mean, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, some people like to go out for a drink and, you know, get absolutely hammered. Some people like to stay home and read. Um, That's me. I have to say, I'm very happy that some people want to stay home and read. <laughs> Otherwise, I would be completely pointless. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking about this book. I know it comes out on the 22nd and this episode will be going live on the Monday before. Oh, so great. Perfect timing for release. So where can people find you to find out more about your other books? Um, I have a website, which is marihanna.com. Uh, that's M-A-R-I, Hannah.com. Uh, um, and they can find me on Twitter at Mari Writer. I'm not on Facebook. I don't blame you. I'm only on Facebook because of work. <laughs> <laughs> I manage our oh, social accounts. lovely talking to you, Kate. And I'm so sorry about the beginning. That's um, absolutely that fine. we couldn't connect at first. <laughs> that is fine. I will post the links to everything, including where people can buy Blackfell when it comes out oh, on great. the 22nd. And I will let everybody know exactly where they can find you and post all the links. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been wonderful to talk to you about this book because it really was, it surprised me because as I said, it is not one of the genres I tend to pick up ever if I'm honest do you know what I like converts <laughs> well, if you're converted that would be perfect yeah I'm definitely going to read the other three books in the series because I do like these characters oh good great <laughs> well that's it for this week and thank you for listening and thank you again to my guest the author Mari Hanna her latest book Black Fell the fourth in the Stone and Oliver series is out this coming Thursday the 22nd of June with Orion Books so if you're interested check the links below and I will post where you can get the book from if you like what you hear why not share it with your friends and family and please post a star rating on Apple Podcasts Spotify or any of the other podcatchers where you may listen you can follow me on Twitter at being underscore bookish and on Instagram at beingbookishpod. Or you can check out my website, beingbookish.co.uk. Yes, that's a lot of being bookish. Well, I've got a lot to get ready for next week and a new book is calling me. But do keep an eye out for a special episode later on. So until next time, this is me saying farewell. Farewell.